If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Friday, December 11th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. The household features that were shaped by previous epidemics. An ethics committee has approved the French military to start making bionic soldiers and hot Dr. Pepper. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Every couple of months since the pandemic started, someone on Twitter rediscovers this fun fact. Steam heat radiators, you know, those obtrusive silver ribbed kinds particularly found in New York City, Turns out, the fact that they get so hot that many people find themselves opening the windows in the dead of winter just to get some relief, that's a feature, not a bug. And specifically, it was a feature designed during the 1918 epidemic, when experts, as they do now, recommended fresh air and ventilation as among the best ways to avoid transmitting disease. And those radiators aren't the only element of our homes whose design was impacted by previous epidemics. There's also closets, half-bathrooms, sleeping porches, white tiling, and more. But let's start with the radiators. Quoting Bloomberg, Most radiator systems appeared in major American cities like New York City in the first third of the 20th century. This golden age of steam heat didn't merely coincide with the 1918 pandemic— Beliefs about how to fight airborne illness influenced the design of heating systems and created a persistent pain point for those who've cohabitated with a cranky old radiator. Health officials thought, correctly, that fresh air would ward off airborne diseases. Then, as now, cities rushed to move activities outdoors, from schools to courtrooms. And when winter came, the need for fresh air didn't abate. According to the research of author and steam heating expert Dan Holohan, the Board of Health in New York City ordered that windows should remain open to provide ventilation, even in cold weather. In response, engineers began devising heating systems with this extreme use case in mind. Steam heating and radiators were designed to heat buildings on the coldest day of the year with all the windows open. Anybody who's thrown their windows open in January when their apartment is stifling is, in an odd way, replicating what engineers hoped would happen a century ago. End quote. This idea that fresh air was important at all costs goes back to just after the U.S. Civil War, predating modern germ theory, when many people, some experts and some hucksters, were pushing the idea that spoiled air from the spent breath of your fellow occupants indoors was a leading cause of disease transmission and death. This larger concept spurred what's known as the fresh air movement. 
Especially as epidemics like tuberculosis and then the 1918 pandemic occurred, the fresh air movement gained ground, becoming formally accepted by public health officials, architects, engineers, and city governments. Tenements in New York City were required to have windows in every room, and engineering books mandated that heating systems had to be designed to operate with all of the windows open. So the steam heat radiators that turn winter indoors into a balmy summer day and bang and clank all through the night were commonplace in homes built through the 1920s. The thing about New York City, though, is that about 75% of Manhattan, at least still existing buildings, were built between 1900 and 1930, so many of them still have the steam heat radiators. The only two things that have changed is the kind of fuel used to heat them, from coal to heating oil to natural gas, and the fact that so few people these days actually know how to maintain them properly. Well, that and our windows insulate better, and most of us have forgotten that they were designed so we could open the windows. But while these radiators are genuinely designed to keep a home warm enough to open the windows on a blistering winter day, they aren't actually supposed to bang and clank. That's a result of poor maintenance over the generations and out-of-date building codes. When they were first installed, the steam heating was silent. Can you imagine? Alright, moving on to closets. So closets as a place in the house to store random things, or if you want to expand the definition to wardrobes and armoires especially, have just about always been around as long as we've had houses. But closets as a built-in part of a bedroom where you would store clothes is a more recent innovation. If you live in a pre-war home, you may have no closets at all. So what changed? Mostly, trends toward tidier, minimalistic homes were spurred on by, again, in part, disease prevention. Standalone armoires, in addition to taking up space and being difficult to move, could attract dust, and dust, at the time, was thought to carry germs that could spread disease. Much better to tuck everything away in a built-in space. That's why designer and architect Le Corbusier began advocating for all homes to have built-in closets, and it eventually caught on. Next item, white tiles. Bathrooms, kitchen backsplash, the white tile trend comes and goes nowadays, but it first started at the end of the 1800s as both a practical and psychological defense against disease. Quoting Architectural Digest, In the late 19th century, as people were beginning to understand how infectious diseases spread, public buildings, hospitals in particular, installed white tiles so workers could immediately spot any dirt or grime and easily wipe it clean. Child's Restaurant, an early American chain, adopted white subway tiles to conjure the sterile environment of a hospital and make people feel safe eating there at a time when foodborne diseases like typhoid, botulism, and trichinosis were major public health concern. Along with tiles, linoleum replaced hardwood floors and oilcloth as the sanitary flooring of choice, also thanks to being easy to clean. End quote. And white was also popular because it reflected light, and light was considered the best disinfectant. Additionally, features like built-in porcelain soap and toothbrush holders were in vogue as designers strove to make even home bathrooms seem as hygienic as a laboratory. Another household feature born out of the same fresh air movement line of thought as steam heat radiators is sleeping porches. Basically just screened-in porches, but designed with the express purpose of sleeping in them. 
Common for a long time as an option for escaping the heat of summer by sleeping closer to the cool air outside as opposed to the humidity when fully inside of your home, sleeping porches really took off around the turn of the 20th century during the tuberculosis epidemic. Going along with the philosophy that fresh air was the best cure for any disease, sleeping porches allowed people to get plenty of fresh air while still being relatively shielded from the elements. And finally... Powder rooms, or those half-bathrooms on the ground floor of multi-story homes. They make enough sense for larger homes as a place that a guest who's only ever visiting the ground floor might use, but turns out they had an even more specific purpose at one point. They became popular in the days when items like coal and ice were delivered to most households on a daily basis, and unlike most deliveries nowadays, the ice men especially, and it was basically always men until women took over during the war, he would actually go inside your house and put the ice in the ice box. So that means he would have been in tons of houses each day, including some where someone could have been sick. Therefore, having a bathroom near the front door that he could access, and that was not the same one your family primarily used, was a means of combating the spread of any diseases he could have picked up along his shift or to protect him from any contagious families. All these innovations make you think about what lasting changes to our homes, or perhaps more likely offices, we'll see after this pandemic. What sort of changes that seem obvious to us now, but which people a hundred years from now will view as a curiosity, oblivious to its origin as a clever mitigation tactic during the 2020 coronavirus pandemic. Dr. Kelly Wright, a professor of American history at the University of Cincinnati, and Dr. Lloyd Alter of Ryerson University both think we'll perhaps see a new type of mudroom, or a front vestibule, with a sink included, so that visitors can take off their shoes and coats and wash their hands before entering your home. And I gotta say, Drs. Wright and Lloyd are speaking my language. That is dream home level right there. Well, the French military officially has permission to make super soldiers. Alright, technically they're augmented soldiers, but honestly that phrasing is still scary enough. The permission was given via a defense ethics committee formed in 2019 and published in a report on Tuesday. Augmentations could include, quoting CNN, medical treatments, prosthetics, and implants that improve physical, cognitive, perceptive, and psychological capacities and could allow for location tracking or connectivity with weapons, systems, and other soldiers. Other possible interventions considered by the Armed Forces Ethics Committee include medical treatments to prevent pain, stress, and fatigue, and substances that would improve mental resilience if a soldier were taken prisoner. End quote. While being considered by the committee, Armed Forces Minister Florence Parley said that invasive procedures such as implants are not currently planned. And off the table completely are, quoting again, any modification that would affect a soldier's ability to manage the use of force or affect their sense of humanity. Further examples of banned modifications include cognitive implants that would affect the exercise of a soldier's free will or changes that would affect their reintegration into civilian life. End quote. While France's military may be the latest to publicly undergo an ethics review of their plans for augmentation, such plans are hardly unique to France. John Ratcliffe, the U.S. Director of National Intelligence, has alleged that Beijing is conducting experiments to biologically enhance soldiers, but I'd take that with a hefty grain of salt. 
The U.S. itself, meanwhile, announced four years ago that the Pentagon is working on an implant that would enable human brains to be connected to computers, basically a brain-machine interface like Neuralink is working on. And while there are obvious military applications, at least when the $62 million project was announced in 2016, the Pentagon's research arm, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, emphasized that its primary application could be in aiding people with disabilities, including veterans. And a fun thing I was reminded of when double-checking on that DARPA implant is that while France, the U.S., and likely others are trying to create Captain America-esque super-soldiers, the U.S., at least, is also working on some Iron Man suits. Quoting a 2016 CNN article, The U.S. military is currently developing a battery-powered exoskeleton, the Tactical Assault Light Operator Suit, to provide superior protection from enemy fire and in-helmet technologies that boost the user's communications ability and vision. In theory, the proposed neural implant would allow the military member operating the suit to more effectively control the armored exoskeleton while deployed in combat. End quote. I mean, if Don Cheadle still gets to lead the troop of exoskeleton-wearing soldiers, maybe. But mostly, I'd be fine with this kind of military tech staying in the realm of fiction. Alright, as promised yesterday, let's talk more about Mold Dr. Pepper, or Hot Dr. Pepper. And it's not spicy Dr. Pepper, like a special kind with added flavors. No, I am talking about temperature. Literally heating up your Dr. Pepper and sipping it as its steaming 23 flavors waft around your nostrils. Now, as someone who grew up in Texas, the home of Dr. Pepper, I am ashamed to say that I am only learning about this in 2020. Because while it was started in the 1960s and not too many people know about it today, it is still drunk by some Texans, and it gets a brief revival each year around this time as people rediscover it, and it turns out I had completely forgotten that it gets a mention in the 1999 Brendan Fraser film Blast from the Past, when Christopher Walken's character offers some to his wife, played by Sissy Spacek. But this year, Hot Dr. Pepper has been picking up steam as TikTokers and other online creators discover the recipe and film reaction videos of themselves trying it. And listen, I know a lot of Texan families that include Dr. Pepper in barbecue sauces and cake batters, but somehow this whole hot nonsense is just blowing my mind. I mean, hot soda. Is it even still soda since the heat will cause the carbonation to die down? And how did this begin? Well, it was started by Dr. Pepper themselves. According to Serious Eats, it was because they noticed soda sales really dropped off in the winter, and they wanted a gimmick to boost profits in the colder months. As for how it affected their bottom line, I'm not sure, but they did pull out all the stops, even having Dick Clark shilling the recipe in ads run during American Bandstand. Here's a clip from one of the original commercials, sans Dick Clark, though I'll put that one in the show notes if you're curious. Happy Holidays! That special time of the year to enjoy the festivities. A fun time, the perfect time for hot Dr. Pepper. And it's so easy to prepare. Just heat Dr. Pepper or diet Dr. Pepper till it steams. Then pour over a thin slice of lemon and serve piping hot. Guests swing right into the holiday mood with distinctively different hot Dr. Pepper. Today, the holiday favorite of the proud crowd. Mm -hmm. That hot Dr. Pepper difference. 
Different? Yes, because Dr. Pepper is not a cola, not a root beer, but a blend of deep fruit flavors. That's why Hot Dr. Pepper is the happy holiday idea that pleases everyone. Relax, refresh, enjoy it now. Hot Dr. Pepper. It's Dr. Pepper time. If you need to reference the instructions again, Dr. Pepper still lists the simple recipe on their website. Just heat the soda to 180 degrees Fahrenheit, so warm but not boiling, and pour it over a thin slice of lemon. Elizabeth Sherman over at Matador gave it a try, and here was her review. Quote, Turns out, hot Dr. Pepper tastes remarkably like a hot cup of black tea. Lipton, in particular, especially with the addition of the lemon. If you're a fan of hot toddies, you might add a splash of bourbon or other whiskey, too. Dr. Pepper also has a distinct cherry or plum flavor that adds an herbal tea quality to this drink. The touch of citrus tempers the sweetness, and as it warms, it thickens and becomes slightly syrupy. It's crucial that you don't bring the Dr. Pepper to a rough boil. If you do, you'll scorch the liquid and it'll taste burnt. End quote. And the hot toddy bit is not too far off. Apparently, some people used to refer to it as a hot toddy for kids. Meanwhile, if you do make the grown-up version the way Sherman did by adding a splash of bourbon, then it becomes a drink that mid-century advertisements called a boomer. Fitting. Oh, and a pro tip from the Dallas Morning News, use the cane sugar version, which usually comes in glass bottles, not the more common corn syrup one. The corn syrup apparently makes it too bitter. So let me know if any of you have had hot Dr. Pepper before, or if you try it. I fully intend on doing a taste test this holiday season, so I will report back. That is it for this week. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Cocky.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'm going to go see what other sodas taste good hot. Probably none of them. In any case, I hope you have a great weekend, and I will talk to you again on Monday. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.